Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have got a lot to talk about today. And I want to start by thanking the folks down at Baylor University. We had a graduate of CIA, the Cross-Examine Instructor Academy, uh, Mr. Ryan Cruz, a senior down there at Baylor. And his team did a fabulous job this past week uh, because we did, and I don't have enough faith to be an atheist uh, event down there. They had a room for 350, which is about our normal crowd, anywhere between 300 to 500 you normally get. Uh, Well, they did such a good job promoting it and getting the word out. We actually had 700 people show up. We had four overflow rooms for I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist down at Baylor. Now, Baylor is a Christian school, at least it is officially, but apparently they don't talk about conservative Christianity all that much down there very much anymore because people wanted answers from a conservative, and they showed up. And so I just want to thank everybody down there for uh, for, for the work they did to uh, make it happen. And uh, this next week, uh, next Wednesday, I'm going to be at Eastern Kentucky University. And then we've got several other universities coming up, all on our website, crossexamine.org. All of these events are open to the public, so if you're – if you're not a student but you want to come see the event, you can. Uh, the event at Baylor uh, went for almost three hours with Q&A. Uh, obviously, I think I spoke for about an hour and a half, and then we had almost an hour and a half of Q&A. People just stayed there and had questions, so I try and stay as long as I can to answer them and uh, to do the best I can. And we had so many great questions come up. A lot of moral issues came up. We had questions about polygamy, about the Old Testament story about where a guy was killed for picking up sticks, uh, that he was he was stoned to death. Uh, you know, he was picking up sticks on the Sabbath, shouldn't have done that. We had questions about hell and torture in hell. Is there torture in hell? We had questions about the nature of love. We had, we had a lot of great questions, and maybe I can unpack some of the answers to those questions a little bit later in the program if we have time to get to it. Uh, but I got a, a bunch of other stuff I want to talk about. Uh, in any event, these events uh, are something we try and do because the college campus, as you know, even in so-called Christian schools, they don't have a lot of opportunities to uh, hear the evidence for Christianity or ans- or get questions answered about it. And so that's why we do this, and that's why we thank you for your support. You, you helped us a lot uh, in 2017. I hope you can continue to help us as we move forward at crossexamined.org. That's crossexamined with a D on the end of it. Uh, so if you're interested in what we do, go to that website. And by the way, you can see the entire presentation, including the, including the Q&A, if you go to our crossexamined.org Facebook page and uh, scroll down to Tuesday night, uh, you can see the entire video because we stream it live. In fact, we're going to stream uh, Eastern Kentucky here this coming Wednesday. So uh, if you can't make it out, you can actually watch it live. Uh, right there on the Facebook page. But that would mean that you're going to have to like our cross-examined Facebook page so you it might appear on your wall. And if it doesn't appear on your wall, you can just go to the cross-examined Facebook page and watch it. Now, uh, I don't know if uh, you have heard 
about this uh, gentleman from Canada, Jordan Peterson. He has recently uh, really come into the forefront of uh, the conservative movement, uh, largely because of an interview he did with a lady by the name of Kathy Newman, apparently over in the UK. And if you go Google Jordan Peterson, Kathy Newman interview, you will want to watch the entire 30-minute interview. Uh, because this was a great give and take whereby a conservative uh, intellectual, uh, Dr. Peterson happens to be a professor, I believe he's at the University of Toronto, he's a a clinical psychologist, and uh, yes, he is at the University of Toronto, and I don't know if he's a Christian or not, he has a video where he's actually talking about the the Bible, the, the stories of the Bible, And uh, he's a little bit coy about what his personal beliefs are, but he is a very clear thinker, and uh, you'll appreciate his candor and his directedness uh, in the, well, first of all, in any video you watch of his, uh, the YouTube videos you watch, but if you Google, and you you need to do this, it's worth 30 minutes of your time. I'm going to play a couple of clips of of this interaction a little bit later in our program, but you're going to want to see how he deals with a typical interview uh, from a leftist who's just putting out slogan after slogan and tries to put words in his mouth. Uh, This leftist by the name of uh, Kathy Newman, this uh, anchor woman, is a feminist who is trying to pin Jordan Peterson down with slogan after slogan and is actually trying to put words in his mouth. And he won't have anything... (laughs) he won't give in. He will. He'll. He'll point out that no, you're putting words in my mouth. That's not what I'm saying. And as I say a little bit later in the program, I'll play a couple of clips from this. Uh, he is a, a very, very clear thinker, and perhaps one of the clearest uh, refutations of leftist ideology occurred when she tried to pin him down on transgenderism because he. After Canada apparently passed some law which said you have to call somebody by their preferred pronoun, he publicly came out and said, I'm not going to do that. I am not going to do that. And then she tried to go after him in this interview. In fact, I'm going to play one clip right here in just a couple of couple of seconds here. This exchange is gold, I think, because he, well, just listen to it. It's, it's an amazing clip. This is Kathy Newman and Jordan Peterson. Let me move on to another debate that's been very controversial for you. Um, And this is, you got in trouble for refusing to call trans men and women by their preferred personal pronouns. No, that's not actually true. I got in trouble because I said I would not follow the compelled speech dictates of the federal and provincial government. I actually never got in trouble for not calling anyone anything. Right. That, That didn't happen. You wouldn't follow the change of law, which was designed Not to once outlaw it was law. discrimination. No, no. Why that, should well, that's your... what they said it was designed to do. Okay, huh. you cited freedom of speech in that. Why should your right to freedom of speech trump a trans person's right not to be offended? Because in order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. I mean, look at the conversation we're having right now. You know, like you're certainly willing to risk offending me in the pursuit of truth. Why should you have the right to do that? It's been rather uncomfortable. Well, I'm, I'm very glad I put you on the spot. <laughs> well, I'm you very glad that I have no, but you get my, my point. You get my point. It's like you're, you're doing what you should do, which is digging a bit to see what's going on. 
So and that you, is what you should do. But I you're exercising you your freedom of speech to certainly risk offending me. And that's fine. I think more power to you as far as I'm concerned. So you haven't sat there and I'm just trying to work that out. I mean... Ha, gotcha. You have got me. You have got me. I'm trying to work that through in my head. Yeah, yeah. It took a while. It took a while. It did. It did. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> yes. Why do you think that you have the right to say that and offend somebody? Well, because if you want to think, you've got to have the freedom to express your ideas and you're, you risk offending me right now in doing this interview. I mean, that's gold. And she, to her credit, admitted that she was nailed on that. That too often the people who say they're fighting for inclusion, tolerance, and diversity are the most intolerant, non-diverse people, exclusive people you'll ever want to meet. They don't want to hear your opinion. They will try and shut you up. They will try and shut you down. They will try and call you names rather than deal with the arguments that you bring forth. They don't want to have a debate. They want to shut down the debate. And in fact, you'll see as we come back after the break, when we come back after the break, uh, she continued to try and badger him with leftist slogans, and he would have none of it. He refuted her time and time again. Now, it's just very refreshing to see something like this. And by the way, this interview took back, uh, took place earlier, I think, in January. There's over 4 million views on YouTube of, of this exchange on politics. Now, you wouldn't think that would be any big deal. Like, how could a political exchange like this create that much interest? It's because people are dying for this kind of clarity. They're dying for what they know to be true, to be expressed accurately. So hats off to Jordan Peterson. More after this. I'm Frank Turek. Don't go away. Welcome back to Cross-Examine on the American Family Radio Network. If you're low on the FM dial looking for national public radio, you're never going to hear this there. They don't want this interview that Jordan B. Peterson had with Kathy Newman to see the light of day. Well, thanks to YouTube, it is seeing the light of day. We're talking about free speech and the left and how often the left wants to suppress free speech. And it's very rare that uh, someone goes on a network TV broadcast and is allowed to speak the way Jordan Peterson did speak. Now, I think one of the reasons this thing was broadcast and not completely uh, hidden or buried is because this was a live interview. They couldn't edit it. He's live on TV over there in the UK, Channel 4 in the UK. And uh, this interview went forward, and it's been put on YouTube. It's been parsed up in all sorts of different ways. And it's very it's, – it's, it's worth watching. You've got to Google. Uh, in fact, if you want the exact title of it, it's Jordan Peterson Debate on the Gender Pay Gap, Campus Protests, and Postmodernism. Channel 4 News has put it on their YouTube channel. It's probably the biggest uh, YouTube video they've ever put up. As I say, over 4 million views, almost 70,000 comments. Just on that YouTube version of it, it's all over the place. Uh, Other people have posted it as well. Uh, So it's well worth watching. Just Google Jordan Peterson, Kathy Newman. You're going to find it. And uh, there are several other topics they talked about, not just the transgender topics, 
Uh, but they talked about a uh, pay gap between men and women. That was a big part of uh, the discussion. And she, Kathy Newman, just came up with one slogan after another. And Dr. Peterson would have to refute what she said because she kept using this language. She would say, after he said something, she would say, so you're saying, so you're saying, so you're saying. She would take what he said and mischaracterize it. She would set up what logicians call a straw man. A straw man is when you mischaracterize someone's argument or position. You make it into a straw man, and a straw man is easy to beat up. A straw man is easy to knock over. In other words, you don't characterize their position accurately. You make it weak. You make it easy to knock over, and that's what she kept doing. She kept saying things. He would say something, and she, and she would say, so you're saying women aren't intelligent enough to run these companies? And he'd go, no, no, I didn't say that. Or she'd say, so you're saying women should just stop trying because equality ain't going to happen? No, I'm not saying that. So you're saying that women are unhappy are unhappy dominating men? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> and she just kept going on. So you're saying women should just go ahead and play with their Cindy dolls and not worry about becoming equal in the workplace? No, I'm not saying that. So you're saying that trans activists could lead to the deaths of millions of people? No, wait. He had to keep correcting her. She would come up with slogan or cliche or mischaracterization one after another, not giving him the benefit of the doubt, trying to paint him in such a way as as uh, in, in such a way that you would not take him as a credible source. And he had to keep correcting her. And he at one point said, look, I'm very, very careful with my words. I'm very careful with my words, and you just keep mischaracterizing them. Well, he didn't actually say that, but he actually said that in another interview, an interview about the interview. He kept saying she kept mischaracterizing my words and mischaracterizing my positions, and I find that happens quite a bit on the left. They will, in fact, they'll call you names. At one point, he called, he called, uh, or she called him transphobic and and alt-right, and all these characterizations, mischaracterizations, which what they really turn out to be, to try and discredit him. He, she said, you're an alt-right. You're a provocateur. And you've heard other terms used of such people. You know, you're a fascist. You're a homophobe. You're a racist. You're a transphobe. Now, when this happens, ladies and gentlemen, and it may happen to you if you ever speak up on issues that the left finds important, they don't want to hear any argument or counter-argument, they just want to bury you with names and mischaracterizations to discredit you. So, I mean, I've had this happen to me. I've had a homosexual activist call me a bigot. And so my my response to that was not to call him a name back <laughs> or or to uh, to be nasty with him, but to say, well, what do you mean by bigotry? I mean, what does that mean? And you remember these tactics that Greg Kokel put forth in his book, Tactics, a book you need to get. And by the way, these uh, some of these questions, some of these tactics that Greg talks about are in our app, the Cross-Examined app, two words in the app store, Cross-Examined. Over 150,000 people, by the way, have downloaded that now, so they're finding it very helpful. And if you go to the quick answer section, you can see some of the questions you ought to ask. One of them is, what do you mean by that? Somebody calls you a bigot, don't just call them a name back. Don't, don't do that. Just say, well, what do you mean by bigotry? And why? how did you come to that conclusion? And when I asked this homosexual activist why, first of all, I said, what do you mean by bigotry? He said, bigotry is fear and intolerance. 
Now, he's just throwing out two more words that still need to be defined. I said, bigotry, fear and intolerance? What does that mean? That's not a definition of bigotry. A definition of bigotry is to have a position on an issue without investigating it, to have a prejudice, not to have any facts behind your position, to just have an unjustified position. And I went on to say that I don't have an unjustified position. In fact, I've written an entire book on this topic called Correct, Not Politically Correct, How Same-Sex Marriage Hurts Everyone. And you haven't even read it. So forgive me, but if anyone's a bigot in this conversation, it would be you because you're prejudging my position without even knowing why I hold it or the reasons I have for holding it. So with just a couple of questions, you can diffuse all this. In fact, if somebody calls you intolerant, you ought to say, what do you mean by intolerant? What does that mean? Am I intolerant because I don't agree with you? Because if that's the definition of intolerant, then you're intolerant because you don't agree with me. So don't let people get away with, ch- with using language to shut you up. And in fact, they use language all the time to try and prevent debate, not to advance debate, to prevent it. They'll call you names, fascists, homophobes, racist, transphobe, intolerant, bigots. Uh, they'll, they'll use all these names to shut you down. And by the way, Jordan Peterson wouldn't fall for this. And in fact, uh, they went on to talk about uh, more about this transgendered issue. Here's here's another clip you want to listen to between Cindy Newman and Jordan Peterson. Here it is. You have voluntary you have voluntarily come into the studio and agreed to be questioned. Mm-hmm. A trans person in your class has come to your class and said they want to be called. And that's she. never happened. And I would call them she. So you would. So you've kind of changed your tune on that. No, no, no. I said that right from the beginning. What I said at the beginning was that I was not going to cede the linguistic territory to radical leftists, regardless of whether or not it was put in law. That's what I said. And then the people who came after me said, oh, you must be transphobic and you'd mistreat a student in your class. It's like, I never mistreated a student in my class. I'm not transphobic. And that isn't what I said. Well, except you've also called trans campaigners authoritarian, haven't you? I mean, isn't that Well, only in the broader context of my claims that radical leftist ideologues are uh, authoritarian, yes, which they are. You're saying someone who's trying to work out their gender identity, who may well have struggled with that, had quite a no tough time over the years. With it, yeah. You're comparing them with, you know, Chairman Mao, who no, just saw the, the deaths of millions of people. Well, just even activists. if the activists, you know, they're trans people too. They have a right to say these things. Yeah, but they don't and have a right to speak for their whole community. To compare them to Chairman Mao, or, you know, I could Pinochet, Augusto Pinochet. I mean, you know, this is grossly insensitive. No, I didn't it? compare them to Pinochet. Well, I did compare them author- to He Mao. was an authoritarian. He's a right winger, though. I was comparing them to the left wing totalitarians. Okay. And I do believe Mao, they are left wing totalitarians. Under Mao, millions of people died. Right. I mean, there's no comparison between That's... Mao and a trans activist, is there? Why not? Because trans activists aren't killing millions of people? The philosophy that's guiding their utterances is the same philosophy. The consequences are. Not yet. You're saying that trans activists no. could lead to the deaths of millions of people. What no, I'm doing? saying that the philosophy that drives their utterances is the same philosophy that already has driven us to the deaths of millions of people. Okay, tell us how that philosophy is in any way comparable. Sure, that's no problem. The first thing is, is that the philosophy presumes that group identity is paramount. That's the fundamental philosophy that drove the Soviet Union and Maoist China. 
and it's the fundamental philosophy of the left-wing activists. It's identity politics. It doesn't matter who you are as an individual. It matters who you are in terms of your group identity. You're just That's saying murderous. these things, though, to provoke, aren't you? I mean, Not you a are bit. a provocateur. I never say You're like anything. the alt-right that you hate to be compared to. You um, want to stir things up. I'm only a provocateur insofar as when I say what I believe to be true, it's provocative. I don't provoke. Maybe for you humor set out now and then. I'm not interested in provoking. Do you see what she does here? She shifts the debate to calling him a name. He makes a beautiful point, a point that she should have said, you know, that's an excellent point, that group identity is paramount among these leftists. But she can't say that because she's a leftist. So she, she calls him a provocateur. She calls him a name instead of dealing with the point. And he says, I'm not a provocateur. I'm just trying to speak the truth. If that provokes people, oh, well. And notice that this is really what goes on in our society today, that people are put into these boxes. They're put into these groups. And the, the groups, the class warfare groups, are the groups that have all these grievances. And the individual really doesn't matter. What matters is if you're a part of this group or not. You got the LGBTQ group. You've got uh, different racial groups. You got blacks. You got Hispanics. You've got uh, you've got uh, working class people versus rich people. You've got all of these different groups. Really, it's just right out of the playbook of Marxism. That's all it is. Marx pitted groups against one another. He had the working class against the aristocracy against the aristocracy. And and that was an kind of an economic struggle and now we have the left using that same kind of idea, that same kind of uh ideology to apply to ideas and political disputes. That now such people who uh, belong to a certain sexual group have now certain rights that other people don't have or usurp the rights of what other people have. The sexual preference of somebody now usurps the religious rights of somebody else. And this is all right out of the Marxist leftist playbook. And when Jordan Peterson calls the leftist interviewer on it, she starts calling him names rather than dealing with the arguments. That's why, friends, it's important to have your tactical questions ready. What do you mean by that? How'd you come to that conclusion? Why don't you deal with the argument rather than calling me a name? I'm Frank Turek. You're listening to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek. Don't go away. The left versus free speech. What causes this? Why are people trying to shut down speech and debate? Why are the people who say they're for inclusion, tolerance, and diversity the most intolerant, non-exclusive, or non-inclusive, they're really exclusive, and non-diverse people out there? Because they're totalitarians. What's a totalitarian? Well, according to the dictionary, totalitarian relates to a system of government that is centralized and dictatorial and requires complete subservience to the state, unquote. In other words, the individual really doesn't matter. And this is what Jordan Peterson has been saying. The individual doesn't matter. You must be a part of an approved group to get protection. 
and today's approved groups are anything but white Christian people. Now, I don't really care what somebody's race is or ethnic group. In fact, let me, let me make something very clear. There's only one race, the human race. That's the only race there is. We have different ethnicities, obviously, but that's irrelevant. And ethnicity, or race if you want to put it that way, has nothing to do with one's behavior. Race has no impact on your behavior. It's morally benign. But sexuality or sexual behavior, of course, is a behavior. And that does impinge on morality. And while we do discriminate against behaviors, we should not discriminate on the basis of race because race has no impact on one's behavior, but all laws discriminate against some kind of behavior. A law that says you ought not steal discriminates against stealing. A law that says you ought not murder discriminates against murder. And that's the way it should be. Some discrimination is good, just discrimination. You discriminate against behaviors that hurt people. But you shouldn't discriminate against race because race has no impact on one's behavior. And this is another thing, by the way, that uh, actually uh, people try and do when they have a behavior that they want to protect against criticism. They try and equate it to race. We see this when it comes to sexuality. LGBTQ equates what they do to race. And if you criticize them, you're like being a racist. The same thing is now happening when it comes to Islam. Islam is now being equated to a race. In fact, President Trump actually made a mistake this week with regard to that. You know, Trump hardly ever apologizes. He should apologize more because he does some stupid things and says some bad things. And he should apologize for those, but what he shouldn't apologize for is claiming that Islam is an ideology. Islam is an ideology. It's not a race. But this week he apparently apologized to the folks over there in Britain because they were upset that a few weeks ago he retweeted some Britain First videos that, w- that were called anti-Islamic or anti-Islam. And apparently these videos showed very negative behavior on the part of Muslims, negative behavior to the point where they're uh, throwing gays off roofs or these kinds of videos. And, uh, and I, I guess the folks over there in the UK were saying, oh, this group is racist. This, this group that's coming out against this kind of Muslim behavior is racist. It's not. Islam isn't a race. There are people of all different ethnicities who are Muslims. You have whites. You have blacks. You have Hispanics. You have Indians. You have Arab. You have all sorts of Semitic people who are Muslims. The race has nothing to do With the ideology, Islam is an ideology. You should never apologize for pointing out bad behavior, whether it's from a Muslim or a Christian or a Hindu or an atheist. That's behavior. It has nothing to do with someone's race. So to try and equate Islam with a race is merely a way to try and shelter it from any kind of criticism. But it shouldn't be sheltered if... Behavior, particularly behavior that the Quran seems to condone and command, 
is is negative, is murderous behavior, then we ought to criticize Islam for that. And people who believe that that's a good thing, that jihad, violent jihad is a good thing. We ought to be criticizing people for that. In fact, we're not only criticizing it, we're militarily fighting against it. And Trump is leading the way. So I don't think he's really thought through this this uh, claim that Islam, that criticism of Islam is like racism. It's not, <laughs> that's not it at all. Now, maybe this group, Britain First, is racist in some other way. If that's the case, okay. You don't, you don't want to be associated with that aspect of their ideology. But if they're legitimately criticizing murderous behavior that's being condoned by Muslims and carried out by Muslims, then you ought, to, you, you ought to say that that's proper criticism. You shouldn't hide under racism. It has nothing to do with racism. So, we've got two choices here, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to a society. We're either going to live by moral principle or we're going to be dictated to by malicious power. In fact, this was not lost on our founding fathers. I think it was John Adams who said, that our Constitution is only for a religious and moral people. It is inadequate, wholly inadequate to the governance of any other kind of people. Because laws can only restrain people so much. And if we're not religious and moral, if, we're, if we don't restrain ourselves, if we're not, we don't have a certain element of self-restraint, then all you're going to do is create a system of laws and government and government overreach to try and restrain us from the outside. And that's what's going on here. People who have no foundation, no moral foundation for their position or their ideology, what they tend to do is they try and use power to govern rather than rely on moral principle. We're either going to be governed internally by our own moral principle, or we're going to be forced through power to be governed according to what the elites say. And that's why it is so important that our society has a strong Judeo-Christian foundation to it. Because if you don't have that strong Judeo-Christian—easy for me to say—if you don't have that strong Judeo-Christian ethic in the hearts of people, then you're just going to have a government that's going to continue to grow, continue to create a nanny state, continue to try and squelch people who disagree. Hence, free speech goes away. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing it going away. We're seeing it hampered. We're seeing it suppressed. We're seeing it censored in the name of inclusion, tolerance, and diversity. Freedom of religion is being usurped by people who have power, who don't want to argue their position. They want to impose their position. They don't want to have a debate. They want to shut down the debate. And by the way, this is why it's very important that we're not only involved preaching the gospel, but we're involved protecting free speech and freedom of religion rights in politics. If we don't protect freedom of speech and freedom of religion, who will? And if you don't think freedom of speech and freedom of religion are important, then you don't think the gospel's important. Why? Because in order to preach the gospel and live the gospel, you need freedom of religion and you need the ability to preach it. Freedom of speech. 
You need both. Oh, Frank, what are you talking about? I mean, there are countries that don't have freedom of religion and freedom of speech, and they have an underground church. Oh, sure they do. Yeah, God can get his word out despite what governments do to try and suppress it, but we don't want governments to suppress it. We want to fight that so people have the freedom to preach and live the gospel. Yes, there's evil out there, and yes, God can work even under evil circumstances, but why would we allow evil circumstances to overtake us? Why wouldn't we fight against it? Jesus said to be salt and light, and sometimes in order to be salt and light, you've got to fight for truth. Jesus said be salt and light. He didn't say be sugar and light. He didn't say lay down and be a doormat. He said, occupy till I come. And that means you're going to have to speak up for the truth. And if you don't speak up for the truth, your ability to speak up for the truth is ultimately going to go away. That's what totalitarians do. And what Jordan Peterson said in that last clip we played, he said the philosophy that is guiding the utterances of the hard left is the same philosophy that led to all those deaths under Mao or under Stalin. Group identity is, is paramount, he said. He said, that's easy. It's all about the group among the leftists. And when it's all about the group, what happens? Well, then you can demonize different groups. And then different groups can be exterminated ultimately. And that's what happened in the Soviet Union. That's what happened in China. That's what happened. That's what's happening right now in North Korea. Oh, Frank, this is so far fetched. No, it's not really all that far fetched, friends. Human beings are depraved. It's much easier to be bad than good. And ultimately, our nation, which is now living on the vapor left over from the Judeo-Christian ethic that has been so prevalent, pre uh, uh, prevalent in our country, and in fact helped found our country, we're living on that vapor, and that vapor is going away unless good people stand up and say, we've got to protect this. We have got to ensure that our children and grandchildren have the same freedoms that we have now. I mean, Edmund Burke put it best. He said, uh, he said there's only one thing necessary for evil to prevail, and that is for good people to do nothing. Freedom needs to be defended if it's not defended, it's going to be taken from you. It's going to be taken from me. And you can see this. You can see this totalitarian impulse among some people. Now, let me be, be very clear. I don't want to do the same thing that some of the leftists are doing. And that is, even leftists are made in the image of God. Especially, we all are made in the image of God. And we ought to pray for people and interact with people on an individual basis. I don't want to demonize everybody who has a leftist outlook. I want to try and help them see the light. I want to help them see that their position that they're holding is a position that is anti-freedom, anti-truth, and is built more on propaganda and lies than the truth. So I don't want to demonize anybody on the left either. I want to pray for these people. I want to help them see the truth. And you ought to do that as well. So that's going to take a little bit of courage. It's going to take a lot of education. 
and it's going to take a lot of patience as well. And it's going to require you to ask a lot of questions. So ask some questions and find out where people are coming from and then provide them with some truth back. All right, I'm Frank Turk. we got one more segment. Don't go away. Welcome back to Cross-Examine with Frank Turek on the American Family Radio Network. Our website, crossexamine.org. That's crossexamine with a D on the end of it, .org. Our app, two words in the App Store, Cross-Examine. By the way, on the App Store, you can get this podcast. You can watch our TV show streaming live. And the TV show is uh, up at uh, DirecTV, Channel 378, Wednesday nights at 9 Eastern and 1 a.m., if you're an insomniac, really, Thursday morning. If you don't have that, by the way, you can get it on Roku. You guys know what Roku is? R-O-K-U. Kind of a TV service. You plug into your TV and you can get a whole bunch of stations. It's on the NRB network on Roku. NRB for National Religious Broadcasters. TV shows one hour every week. Hope you can watch that. And uh, also, check out our Facebook pages, crossexamine.org and Dr. Frank Turek, Dr. Frank Turek, and you already know about the website. So we're trying to reach people in as many different ways as we can uh, with the truth of Christianity. We try and present the evidence for Christianity and cross-examine ideas against it. Now, this entire program, we've been talking about this uh, Jordan Peterson interview that uh, he had with Kathy Newman over in the U.K., a live interview on network TV over there in the U.K. I highly recommend you Google Jordan Peterson and Kathy Newman and watch the entire uh, interview and you'll see somebody who's very clear in their position, their conservative position, by the way, and how he points out uh, the errors of the left's logic. And as you know, friends, if you've been listening to this program long enough, you know the key to deciphering assumptions or exposing assumptions, I should say, in someone's argument is to apply the claim to itself. In the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, we call this the roadrunner tactic. Apply the claim to itself. So what Jordan did with Kathy Newman when she said to him, uh, how does your right to free speech overwhelm a trans or over, uh, uh, how did she put it? Uh, How does it outweigh, I think she may have said, outweigh a trans person's right not to be offended, he just applied her claim to herself by saying, well, you are now questioning me at risk of offending me. You're using your free speech rights to find out what's going on. And he said, more power to you. You should be doing that. But why do you have the right to question me, in effect, at the risk of offending me? If you have that right, which you're doing right now, why don't I have that right with a trans, transgendered person? So, in fact, the only way you can learn, or one of the ways you can learn, obviously, is to ask people questions. And if you don't have the right to ask people questions or to express your opinion, how are we ever going to move forward intellectually or as a society? We've got to be able to have an open and free dialogue. That seems self-evident to me. But there are people that want to shut it down. Why? Because they can't argue their position on the merits. They throw slogans at you, and as soon as you start pointing out the self-defeating nature of the slogan or the hypocritical nature of the slogan, they're 
they're lost. That's why Jordan Peterson said to Newman, said, I got you on that one, didn't I? And she said, yeah, you did. Because she was doing exactly what she claimed he didn't have the right to do. It's amazing how leftists exempt themselves from their own theories. Nobody else has free speech, but I do. It's very similar to atheists when they say things like, consciousness is an illusion. Well, they exempt themselves from their own theory. They don't think their consciousness is is an illusion. Daniel Dennett thinks consciousness is an illusion, but he doesn't think his consciousness is an illusion. He needs his consciousness to write books to tell other people that consciousness is an illusion. Or when a materialist says, my thoughts are controlled completely by the laws of physics. Everybody's thoughts are controlled completely by the laws of physics. We're just moist robots. Well, he really doesn't think his thoughts are controlled by the laws of physics. If he did, why should he believe them? He hasn't arrived at them through free thought and, and reason, despite the fact he calls himself a free thinker. He hasn't, he hasn't arrived at that if his theory's true. He's gotten to that point because of the laws of physics. So what you need to do is you need to expose the self-defeating or hypocritical nature of their position. So questions like, what do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? Or do you consider yourself a tolerant person? Because if Jordan Peterson had asked that of Kathy Newman, she'd have to say yes, but then he could immediately go on to point out how intolerant she was of his position. So ask questions like that. By the way, another thing, a little note about this. Whenever you're reading an article uh, in uh, the mainstream media, if they're talking about a conservative or a conservative position, they'll try and give the conservative position, uh, quite frequently they'll try and mischaracterize it, and then they'll say something like this. Critics say, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Critics say this is anti-LGBT, or critics will say this is discrimination. Notice when they say that, they rarely quote somebody. They rarely give any evidence for this. They rarely cite any position other than their own. When they say, critics say, you know what that really is? That's just a way for the journalist, him or herself, to put his own ideological preference into the story. So watch out for that when you're watching or when you're reading these articles that come out of the mainstream media because they're quite frequently just opinion pieces. And they're disguised as objective news stories by simply the writer, the journalist, putting in the article, critics say this, when it's really, that's just the opinion of the journalist. And it could be a far, far left opinion that really doesn't have any intellectual firepower behind it. And they never ask the critic to give evidence for their position. They're just putting it in there to get for, to put forth their ideological preference. And so you need to watch out for that. Uh, by the way, another thing that Peterson talked about in this in this debate with Newman was, well, I'm not for a quality of outcome. You're never going to achieve a quality of outcome. What you ought to try and achieve is a quality of opportunity, not, not a quality of outcome. People have all sorts of different reasons for the outcomes that they arrive at. Some people work harder than others, so the outcome is going to be different for the harder working person than the person who doesn't work quite as hard. And you shouldn't. Uh, penalize people for working hard and coming to a different outcome. 
We try and give people a level playing field. We try and give people equal opportunity. In an imperfect world, we can't achieve that, but we, we try. But don't expect a quality of outcome. In fact, in their debate, they started talking about the so-called pay gap between males and females. And Peterson at one point, well, she brought up, Newman said, oh, you know, only seven out of the top 50 co- co- uh, companies here in, in the UK are headed by women. And uh, she tried to say, well, that's, that's obvious bias there. That's discrimination. And Peterson said, well, you don't know that. There are many different factors that may have led to uh, that, that difference. It could be because men are disproportionately more likely to put their whole life focus into their job, whereas women are not as likely to do that. Men are likely to give up their family. They're likely, and this is not a Christian position, obviously. I'm just saying what, what he was po- pointing out. He's just making an observation. Men are far more likely to sacrifice virtually every other aspect of their life for their career, whereas women aren't as likely to do that. Could that be more of a reason why but many more of the CEOs in these top 50 UK companies are men rather than women. And it could be that women have decided they don't want to do that. It could be that women have decided they want to bring up children more so than men do. It could be for a number of other reasons. It's not necessarily just discrimination in the workforce. Correlation doesn't necessarily prove Causation. This is one of the things you 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 uh, you learn when you uh, take a statistics course. And in my master's program, we we took these social science statistic courses uh, and pointed out that if you really want to find out the cause of a particular outcome, you've got to do a multivariable analysis. And Peterson brought this up, but it went right over the head of this leftist interviewer, Kathy Newman. Just because you have a correlation doesn't prove causation. And it might be that there is discrimination as part of one factor that leads to this difference, but it's not the only thing. You've got to really do the research to figure this out. But we find that the left doesn't want to do the research. They're not interested in arguments. They're only interested in outcomes. And you've got to be a part of an approved group to be uh, somebody who they care about. <laughs> you got to be one of these groups. They don't care about the outcome that a white Christian male experiences. They only care about the outcome of somebody in an approved group, a sexual or ethnic group that they are trying to champion. So... Some clear thinking is needed on these issues. And one of the ways you can ensure that there's clear thinking done is to ask a lot of questions. Go back to the tactics. Now, uh, I haven't read the book yet, but uh, Dr. Peterson has a new book out. I think it's called 12 Rules of Life or something like that. Uh, So you may want to check that out. And you can also check him out much more on YouTube. And uh, just type in his name, Jordan Peterson, and you'll see he doesn't, He doesn't take any prisoners. He's a pretty clear thinker, and he says, look, I choose my words very carefully. I'm not going to allow leftists to take over the language or to impose on me positions I don't advocate. We've got to be much more careful in our dialogue, and I'm not going to allow them to mischaracterize my position. And Christians, this is 
a lesson for all of us. Don't allow other people to mischaracterize our positions. Come out and clarify. Ask questions of them. Make sure they clarify their positions. Put them on the hot seat. All right, friends. I'm Frank Turk. Don't forget, next week, I'm at the uh, I'm at Eastern Kentucky University in Richmond, Kentucky. Check out our website for that. It's open to everyone. And if you can't be there live, you can check out the live stream on our Facebook page. God bless. See you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.